0: All right, all right, all right. <laughs> top of the morning, top of the evening, top of the day. If you could please stand for the reading of, of the word. Jesus got up for you so you can get up for him. <laughs> I just got one line and then I'm going to let you sit down. We're in Exodus 17, 9. So Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight against Amic. 99% sure that I messed up that word. I'm going to mess it up throughout this sermon. Amalek. is going to be like, you're going to hear him say that a lot. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for already meeting us here today, Lord. We thank you for saturating and dwelling in this place, Lord. We ask that you just clear our minds, clear our hearts, and clear our spirits to set focus on you, Lord. Allow any distraction or any weight to just leave in this moment, Lord, so we can focus on the truth of you, Lord. Allow us not only to be hearers of the words, but doers of the word. We thank you, we honor you, and we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and have a seat. If this is your first time here at our youth uh, youth service, uh, also known as YTH, just want to tell you, welcome home. Give it a round of applause to our new people. This is such a great place. We have amazing coffee. We love to worship the Lord, and we just get radical for Jesus. Um, and so excited to be here. My butter, my better have could not be here today. She is in San Diego presenting research. And so if you get a moment today, pray for Dr. Bay to keep pushing on so I can become. If we all come into agreement, I'll be one step closer to being a stay-at-home husband. And so ensure, ensure that you keep her in your prayers. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey, the Lord says, speak it into existence. And so that's what I'm doing. also want to send some well wishes to one of my best friends who is out in Kansas City right now. Cam is playing in the National NAI Tournament, and they are right now advancing. They had a close game. They came down from 11 yesterday and ended up winning. So go Wolfpack. His fiance Tony, is with him, and so send them Traveling Grace as they get prepared to continue to advance into the tournament and then one day come back home. We have been... In a series called Calling. And if you miss any part of this series, you can go and follow us on Facebook and on YouTube at NOLA Church. It is a radical series that will really change your life. And it will set you up for where we're going when we start to talk about purpose and calling. It's not about what you do, but it's about who you are. And it is truly truly a good series. So if you have time, check that out. We'll also be on Spotify and Apple Music, any podcast that you listen to. Follow Nola Church. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of the social media sites. And so if you missed any parts, you can go back and check that. But today, Pastor Monty teached about calling Joshua. And I want to expand a little bit on the call that Joshua had in his life and just like Pastor Money this morning, in order for you to fully understand the call Joshua have, you have to get some context, and that context starts with Moses. in order to understand what God was doing in Joshua' life, you have to see it through a lens and a perspective of Moses first. And this morning we learned that there's 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 an exchange that will happen. Um, in the world where, where Moses, the old, would be buried and gone, he would will, he will eventually die, and the promise would be passed on, to, passed on and fulfilled by Joshua. And I just wanted to really talk about obedience. Every time that I get prepared to pray and study and, and start to do a word, the Lord brings me to this one word, obedience. The last three times that I've spoke, it has been about obedience I want to lie to you and tell you I don't know why he keeps doing it, but I actually do know the reason why. Because Joseph is a rebel. The Lord says, do this, and I say no, and then I do it anyways. Um, And so... I want to talk about this idea of obedience, because when people think about obedience, especially when you become a new believer and you start to get into Christ, and people who hasn't who haven't had the encounter that you've had with Jesus, and they look at you, start to structure your life, they think that you are in a system of oppression, or they think that you are, are you doing too much, or you're allowing something to control your life that you can't even see, but the truth of the matter is, obedience is intentionality. When we choose to be obedient, we choose to be intentional with the things that we do in life when when we choose to be obedient we stop going to certain places that are killing our spirit and we start to speak boldly in places that are bringing life when we choose to be obedience the old us is dead and gone the new us is expanding and growing and so obedience is intentionality i looked at the definition of intentionality and it says is the fact of being in purpose and so you break down the word fact which means without a doubt so intentionality is without a doubt of being in purpose all right so why does this matter because our actions lead us somewhere I want you to keep that if you're taking notes I want you to put a star next to that our actions lead us somewhere what we do and what we say matter Proverbs 23 and 4 says, "'Guard your hearts above all else, "'for it determines the course of your life. "'Avoid all perverse talk "'and stay away from corrupt speech.'" Pastor Monty hit on this a little bit earlier today is that as a society, as a world, we have conditioned God to be down here as one of our equals or to be an option in life. And we start to speak labels over our life. We start to live these labels in our life. and we, We have to be able to know that our actions lead into consequences. You will go around here and say, oh, I'm just a flirt. Now, 15 years later, you're getting a divorce for cheating on your spouse. <laughs> hey, you will say things like I have seasonal depression and now once a year, you purposely rob yourself of joy, living in a situation that you had already given to God that he has already healed you from, that he has already taken you, taken away from you and provided an escape for you. And you choose to step back into it, even though you left it at the altar. Our actions lead us somewhere. Some of us live in a world where we say, all I need is grace. Grace. Everything, <laughs> everything that I do, every action that I have, no matter how big, how small, I got grace. Once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Then you look up 20 years and your kids won't even acknowledge who God is because you never taught them that your actions have consequences. You never showed them that your actions Even with grace does not stop the consequence from happening. Young believer, you need to know whether good or bad, your actions lead you somewhere. Be careful what you do and what you say. It starts off, oh, I'm going to just have one blunt. That was on Monday. It's Saturday and you're still smoking. I'm going to just have, I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to have one drink. Just one, you know, I don't wanna get drunk. I don't wanna be, I wanna still be sober mind, so I'm gonna get a little buzz, just a little one-two. You know, I'ma get a mimosa, put about 90% orange juice, put a drop of champagne in there. You look up it's by Miss Melosa. you on mosa 23, you're looking up your friends having a good time. You have a moment of gossip just one moment where you're talking about somebody. You just make one smart little slick comment at the mouth. Next thing you know, somebody punching you in your face in the parking lot because you thought that that one moment, you thought that one thing. (laughs) You got to be careful what you do and what you say. It might not have the impact right there in the moment, but it will have impact. Jesus see everything. I remember in the Bible when David, when he he, he slept with his best friend's wife and he had a baby and he thought that nobody knew. And so he killed his best friend and the angel came to him and said, Jesus saw what you've done. And some of you need to know, Jesus see what you're doing. Jesus see you. You think you think nobody see you? What they say? What was done in the dark, come to the light. Well, the Father is the light, so it's already came to him. Be careful! Be careful! You're. I'm, ch- I'm trying to tell somebody it start off so innocent and so simple, and then you find yourself in bondage and then you find yourself into a generational curse, and because you didn't leave it at the altar, because you didn't leave it where it was, now it's passed down to your children and to your children, and now you have a lineage. You better ask Adam and Eve. <laughs> we still feeling the effects of it. Generations later, Jesus then wiped the whole earth away, and we still are dealing with the consequences of when they thought that nobody saw him. They thought that they thought no not seen him eat the fruit. Jesus came. What they did, hide. But he already seen it. Your actions lead you somewhere. That was the bad side of it. But there's a good side of your actions leading you somewhere. And we see this through our text today with Joshua. What I love about Joshua is Joshua had this canon ability to be obedient. Every time God gives Joshua a command, Joshua does not hesitate. He does not take a moment of doubt. He doesn't let fear creep in. He moves. And through him, we can see what happens when we submit, when we surrender to God and allow our actions to move into the desires? I always say a prayer, Lord, please make my instincts become of you. That means when something comes into my life, I automatically think of your character. When something comes into my life, I automatically call on the name of Jesus. I don't got to be fearful. I don't got to be scared. I don't got to doubt. I don't got to be confused. I don't got to be hurt because when I call on the name of Jesus, miracle signs and wonders fall. I know that y'all sitting here being cute, but I'm from the seven walls of New Orleans, also from the third water, of Texas. And sometimes you gotta look at your situation and get down with it like, I don't care what you got going on because I know who my God is. I know who Jesus is. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am who the Lord say that I am. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Sometimes you gotta get gangster with that thing. Lucy ain't got no authority in this place. He ain't got no authority in my life. Joshua moved in obedience. He, ain't have, he didn't have time to doubt. He immediately moved. And as we go down to verse 10, Joshua fought against, Pastor Muncie. What's, what's the word? Emek. We're just going to call him A for the rest of the day. That's cool with everybody? All right. So Joshua fought against A just at, <laughs> <laughs> Just as Moses had instructed him, Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. I want you to make note that Joshua did not hesitate. He showed no fear. He showed no doubt. And he did just as Moses instructed him to do. To give you a little context, A was a big army, right? Joshua and Moses, they originally wanted no smoke with him right? They had a mission. God had a promise to them to enter into the promised land, and they were on their way to it. And Big A heard about the Israelites. And so, Big A was like, oh, Are they going to come through us? They're going to go around us. They're going to try to fight us. Like, just the presence of the Israelites and just the presence of hearing what God was doing for them scared them and made them nervous. And so they decided to do a surprise attack on them. Listen to me, believer. People are hearing. They are hearing what Jesus is doing in your life, and they're starting to get nervous. They're starting to shake in their boots. They don't know what to do. And so they're trying to come with a surprise attack on you. But God has a plan. Because you're moving in obedience, he's moving with intentionality. And you're going to see that in our text today. I want to give you a life lesson. All right, this, this is not Bible, this is Joseph. When your haters want to see you struggle, God going to give you double. Let me, let me teach you something, let me teach you something. The most prof... <laughs> the most prophetic people that you will ever meet in your life is your haters. They will speak life into you and not even know it. He wants to be, he walk around like he run the place. I don't run it yet. He walk around like he got a million dollars. I don't yet. They start to speak things of your life that you haven't even said out loud yet. Oh, he wants to be a preacher. you I haven't said it yet, but thank you for realizing the calling that is in me. Oh, he act like he's so anointed. Oh, thank you for realizing the call that is in me. Your haters will start to speak life into your situation. Oh, they think they got so much money. Oh, they think they look so pretty. Don't be mad at me because I know who God says I am. You need to focus on you. The only difference between me and you, the only access that that, that we have is no, we got the same equal access. The only thing is, is I know who God says I am. Because because you don't know who God says you are. You're so focused on what God is doing in my life. When you could be reaching and you can be walking alongside of me and what God is filling up in my cup, when it starts to overflow, it can start to overflow over to you. So you can start to overflow over to your people. Don't get mad at your haters no more. Just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for speaking life into my life. Every time somebody says something negative about you, just say thank you because they're speaking about the insecurities that they can't get over in their life themselves. The most prophetic people that you will remember, the most prophetic people in your life is your haters. I need some water. I don't know what y'all came expecting tonight, but God is good. God is good. But my favorite thing that my haters will say, or the the best thing that your haters can say, is, ooh, they just want to help so many people but can't help themselves. (laughs) Just tell them thank you in advance. Look at your neighbor and just say thank you in advance. Your neighbor might have said about you. (laughs) They might have said about you while you weren't here, so just just thank them in advance. (laughs) But the reason why this is my favorite thing that someone can say, because it's actually truth to it. Both are very true. One, I do want to help a lot of people. Two, I can't help myself. And I can't do it alone, and I know that. But the best part about it Is that Jesus has placed me within a community and he has placed me under the umbrella and the protection of spiritual authority. And we see this in this text. Joshua, as he's going to go into the fight of his life, Moses, Aaron, and her went to the top of the hill. This is how I fight my battles. Why is this so significant? Why did I stop and pause right here? Because as Joshua is being obedient, God is up there being intentional. He sends Moses, Aaron, and her to heal, to cover Joshua. Why is this significant? Moses is a prophet who has seen vision from God. Aaron, who is Moses' brother, is a priest, who is speaking the word of God. And her comes from a line of Judah, which are kings. So they're connecting people to God. And so while Joshua is fighting, he's being covered by prophet, priest, and king. This might not make sense to you yet, but one day you're going to go through leadership track here at NOLA Church, and you're going to find out that the foundation of our circles, in every circle, the leadership team, you have a prophet, Priest and king, and this is important because you need a prophet, priest, and king. You need spiritual authority in your life because you can't fight the battles by yourself. Joshua cannot win the battle by himself. He is being covered while he is in the mud and the dirt, getting his hands dirty. He has people that are praying for him. They're praying for the battles that he can't even see. You have pastors that are in this church. You have leadership that is in this church. They have already prayed for the prayed for you before you even seen the battles that you will face in life. You have a pastor that that is up all night praying, thinking about you. And this is important. This is why you need to be under spiritual authority. Your YouTube pastor cannot do life with you because they don't know you. I love Sarah Jakes Roberts. Love her. I've been working out for like the last 3 weeks. I know it don't look like it, but I've been working out for the last 3 weeks and when I work out, I start to listen to sermons, life hack. Listen to a sermon when you work out, it feels so good. And so as I'm listening to these sermons and working out, these are like more like a I want to say motivational type thing for me, but they're like just I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a church junkie, and so it's just great to hear different perspectives. But I know Sarah Jakes Roberts do not know me from Adam to Eve. I know no matter how many books that I buy, I probably will not meet her in this lifetime. And so I cannot entrust my, my life. I cannot entrust the responsibility that God has given me into a person that I never met. You need to have spiritual authority. I always tell people, if you ever hear me talk about Pastor Monty, that is one person in the world that I do not play about. You say something negative about him, we're bound to fight. (laughs) (laughs) And it's because God is intentional. And because I chose to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water baptism and I started to be obedient in the Lord. The Lord started to be intentional and he put me into a community. He put me under spiritual authority. I didn't know nothing about NOLA Church. I had Googled places to get baptized and this was the first church that popped up. (laughs) (laughs) They will tell you I came the first service did not know one song and they were like, "Hey, you know what you think about it?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I'm still looking for a church. You know, I'm just going to continue to shop around." I truly had it in my mind that I was not coming back. <laughs> a year later, look at me now. <laughs> and that's not even the half of it. Pastor Monty pulled me to the side and we had a meeting. And we've talked about a lot of good things. And the first thing that he said to me, and it's something that resonates still to this day, and this is why I go hard for my pastor, is he said, Look, I'll protect you. I'm twenty five years old. I was twenty-four at the time. In all my life, I had never had a man look me in my eyes and say, I will protect you. I love my dad. We're really close. I would do anything for him, but he had never told me those words. And from that moment forward, I've trusted my pastor with every single thing because I know that God was intentional through obedience and placing him in my life. I tell Pastor Monty everything. You say something bad about him, I'm going to tell him. (laughs) I am going to tell him. <laughs> You're doing something to disrupt the church? I am going to tell him. <laughs> but the cool thing about it is that we'll have these meetings. We'll check in every now and then. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because this is important. Drop down to verse 11. When Moses would raise his hand, then Israel prevailed. So they're at the top of this mountain. And Jesus had already told Moses what's up. He was like, Moses, send Joshua, go out and fight. I want you to go to the top of the hill, hold the staff. When your hands are lifted, y'all will win. If you drop your hands, y'all going to take that L, little brother. So Moses was like, all right. (laughs) He told Joshua to go do what he needed to do. Moses went to the hill. He raised up the staff. They started to win. But I want you to go and realize something. Jay, can you go back to verse 10? Verse 10 said So Joshua fought against Amag and Moses instructed him. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the hill. Go back to verse 11. When Moses would raise his hand, then Israel prevailed. But whatever he would rest his hands. One more time, Jay. Go back to verse 10. So Joshua fought and as Moses had instructed him. Go back to verse 11. When Moses would raise his hand, then Israel prevailed. But whatever he would rest, his hand and would prevailed. What do you notice? Anybody notice it? (laughs) Did Moses ever tell Joshua what God told him? He never told Joshua, I'm going to go to this hill and I'm going to raise my staff up. And when I raise my staff up, you are going to start to win. See, this is important because your, your, your spiritual authority, the person that's covering you, can't always tell you the vision, baby. I know you want to know the end of the book right now, but you just can't know the book right now. This is why this is so cold, because everybody wants to know, oh, what am I supposed to be in life? What is my calling? Can you reveal this To me, can you tell me why I should work at? Somebody asked them, can you tell me how I should vote?" If your pastor was, (laughs) 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 if (laughs) your, this is important. Because if you ever met with Pastor Monty, it's like one of the most frustrating things ever. And I didn't realize it until I did this thing. You would start to talk to him. You'd be like, you know, the Lord told me this, this, and that. And he would sit there. And then he would start to tell you something. And he'd be like, all right, he finally finna tell me what it is. And he'd be like, but I'm not going to tell you yet. And he'd be like, oh. You could have sent this meeting in an email if you ain't going to tell me what I needed to know. But on a serious note, on a serious note, Moses never told Joshua what God had instructed him to do, because if he did, then Joshua's faith would have failed. And you need to know that there are certain things that your leadership, that the person that is covering you, even Jesus himself, have not told you about your calling or where you're supposed to be at in life because he needs to know that your faith won't fail. Jesus told uh, Peter in Luke 22, I prayed you through so your faith won't fail. He didn't say, I prayed for you to get these things. I prayed for you to be in this position. I prayed for you to be this type of person. He said, I prayed you through so your faith won't fail, which which means that if you just stay faithful to who I am, if you just stay faithful to the promise that I have given you, if you have just stayed faithful to who I have called you to be, everything will align. Everything will come to the will. I hear the Lord saying that somebody here today, they need to know that their faith shall not fail. I know the purpose and the calling ain't been looking the way that you wanted to look. I know the situation and the environment that you're currently in ain't looking the way that you want it to look. But don't let your faith fail in moments of of frustration, in moments of hurt, in moments of disappointment, baby, just get on your knees and call on the name of Jesus. Because when you call on the name of Jesus, miracle signs and wonders fall, you got to do like we did earlier. Sometimes you got to get gangster with it and say, Lucy, you will not live in this environment. Lucy, you will not live into this situation because I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. Can you trust a promise that you cannot see? Can you follow a pastor who has a vision from God that they cannot tell you? Or are you going to continue to live in bondage because you prefer your preference over the truth? It's not that you want to trust God. You want to trust what you prefer to hear from God. Can you follow the vision? Joshua. Joshua didn't ask any questions. He just went to go fight. And the whole time he is fighting, he has a prophet, priest, and king praying over his behalf. Literally lifting the staff of God. And they're winning. They're not supposed to win this. They were not supposed to win this war. The army was bigger than theirs. But because God was in the middle of it, no weapon formed against them should have prospered. Can you obey are you going to let your actions lead you into bondage? I'm coming to a close. You can come up PM. Turn to Joshua 24:15. There were some other parts that I wanted to talk about how God was intentional and they went into the battle of Jericho and they end up tearing down the city without even lifting a finger because they were intentional and God was intentional. He had them march around. He had them watch march around the city for 7 days and they never lifted a finger. And on the 7th day he said just just cry out and watch the walls fall. When Jesus first gave joshua the the message of jericho he said i've already taken the city for you all you have to do is be obedient and listen to the words that i'm telling you because i am a god of provision which means i was at the beginning and i've already been to the end i was at the i was with you when you were in your mother's womb and i will be the day that you rest here on this earth and joshua ended up into the promised land And he started to get old at age. And he gathered everybody around right before he died. And he said one of the most profound things I ever heard As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. Your actions lead you to places. What you choose to do impacts not only you, but nations and generations. What you choose not to do impacts you and generations. God is being intentional in your story right now. He's tired of you being in bondage by association. He's tired of you being in sin by association. What does that mean? That there are some environments that you're in, and despite you coming to church, despite you being obedient and doing everything that you're doing, you're not proudly displaying the vision and who God is. This is why Moses could not go into the promised land. You're going into a room and you're bringing God here, all of your friends having a kickback in your crib, getting high out their mind, talking recklessly, gossiping. And even though you're not participating in it, you're in the room. You're getting that second hand. Y'all know it's possible. And that's making you guilty by association. He called you to be a city up on the hill to be a lamp in a dark place and it's time for you believers it's time for you to take your obedience and structure it i know structure is so it's such an oppressive word the society has can condi- if you have structure you are lame you are a robot but it's not structure it's intentionality I know in order for me to pour out and to do what God has called me to be, there's certain structures that I have to have place in my life. Bree's not here today, but there's a structure that we have had to place in our relationship over the last two months, and it was hard. It is hard to be with somebody for four years, and then you hear the truth of God that says you should not be laying in the same bed. And every night for four years, we have been in the same bed, just being honest. We went celibate about a year ago, or well, abstinent, about a year ago. But we were still laying in the same bed. And to have that conversation to say, baby, I love you. But for our relationship, you cannot spend a night over here anymore. The world would see that as structure. They would see that as oppression. But God is being intentional. He is saying, baby, I know what y'all are going to do in this world. I know who I've called y'all to be. And I know that it doesn't look like how it should look right now. But the blessings and the responsibility that I'm giving you, I need you. I need you to submit and surrender it to me. I need to be in the center of your relationship. I need you to be able to seek me separately. It was hard during Mardi Gras season. When all my friends came back, every day I got a text. Hey, let's go to the bar. Hey, I missed you. Hey, come to the parade. Hey, you know, I, was, I used to be the Mardi Gras coordinator. I know everywhere to go. I told you I'm from the 7th Ward. It was hard to say no. I can't. That, that's, that's not who I am. That Joseph that you knew is buried, dead, and gone, and it's not coming back. It is not having a Lazarus moment, baby. It's standing in the grave. And some people are not going to understand. Some of my friends don't understand. And that is okay because as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, baby. (laughs) Let anybody allow you to bring God to here so you can feel comfortable so you can feel accepted. Baby, you got a whole community here right now, and we radical for Jesus. We up here Friday through Monday praising the Lord. If you want to have fun and you want to have fun in a good, godly manner, you have a whole bunch of congregation that know how to throw down in the name of Jesus. So don't feel like you have to conform to the ways of this world. Don't feel like you have to step into a society, into bondage. Don't sin or be in sin by association. Instead, pray for them. Walk alongside them. You don't have to cut them off. You don't gotta ghost them. Just set boundaries with them. Set boundaries within your friendships. Set boundaries in your relationships. Set boundaries with your leadership. In order for me to be effective, this is what I need out of this partnership. This is what I need out of this relationship. This is what can happen. This is what cannot happen. It is not structure. It is not oppression. It is intentionality. Because God has something for you. Stand to your feet as I'm coming to a close. I think, I think of my students, and we had a moment this week where we had to kind of be hard on them. And a lot of them said, But it wasn't even me, why am I feeling the consequence of someone else? Because you were in the room. And you chose to react to it. You might not have laughed in that moment. You might not have reacted in that moment. But you keep speaking of it. You go into the hallway, you want to talk about it. You go into the lunchroom, you want to talk about it. You go on social media and you want to talk about it. There's consequences for our actions. And you're going to say the wrong thing about the wrong person. And we learned this a couple of Sundays ago. Jesus does not play about his children. You speak about the wrong person in your curse. Know your words have consequences. You're talking down on the people that's praying for you. You're talking down on the people that will not forsake you or will not leave you because you didn't get your way. Grow up. You will always be offended. The moment I step off the stage, I'm going to be offended. My patience is here. (laughs) But how will you react to it? How will you react to what God is doing in your life? Are you going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are you going to get baptized in the word and just go sit in a corner and say, I love you, Jesus. Are you going to step boldly into it and worship the Lord? Are you going to cry out every Sunday? Are you going to come to the altar and feel Jesus again and again and again? Lord, I know that you are working on me. I know that you have taken me out this place. I know that you have killed the trauma, the bondage in my life, Lord, but I'm not done yet. And so I need you to be with me again and again, Lord. This is why I love to worship. Because I get to get lost in the presence of Jesus again and again and again. I get to feel the feeling of being baptized in his spirit again and again. And that is worth it. That is worth being drunk out of my mind and making dumb, careless mistakes. That is worth casting demonic spells on people's lives. Being in the presence of the Lord is the greatest thing that you can feel. And so I worship so the heavenlies can come and open down and start to bring life into my situation. I might be tired, I might be fatigued, I might be frustrated, but when I call on the name of Jesus, I start to get a little pep in my step. I start to feel a little good about myself. I worship so hard on Sunday that it covers Monday through Saturday. What are you doing in the presence of God? Are you so fixated around the people that uh, of the people that are around you? Oh, well, look at them worshiping today. Ooh, this church here, they be doing a little bit too much. You darn skippy we do too much because we love Jesus. You darn skippy. I'm at the altar every Sunday because I love Jesus. You're not offending me. You're complimenting me. Give me Jesus. I don't want the world. Give me Jesus. What are you doing in the presence of God? Because when you practice habits in his presence, it carries out to everything else in the world. People walk by, why are you so joyful? I'm joyful in the presence of the Lord. His joy is my strength. Oh, you have so much patience because God was patient with me first. Why are you listening to class while jamming in Maverick City? Why are you listening to the music so loud? Because I listen to it loud in the presence of him. I don't change my environment. I don't change who I am to fit the needs of the people around me. I take the habits that I do on Sunday. I take the character that Jesus is instilling into me and I boldly step into rooms. I don't care if you're not comfortable who Jesus is because he made me in the image of me. And I can't change who I am to fit the need of you. Instead of you focusing on why I'm praising the Lord, you need to get a taste of what I see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What are you doing in the presence of God? Do people walk by you and say, whoo, they got Jesus all over them? Or do they walk by and say that you're a fraud? You post on Sunday, but you lustful Monday through Thursday. You posting inspirational videos, but you twerking on Friday. You're inviting your friend to church, but you're smoking with him in the room. What influence is that? You're hurting people. They see enough of the world. They see enough of the wrong things to do. That's why I'm so blessed that the Lord has called me to be in the classroom. At the beginning of the year, I play worship music, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Turn this off. Towards the end of the year, though, they're, they're picking the songs that they want to play. Because I don't confide and say, "All right, y'all don't like this? Well, we finna jam, young boy." No, me and my classroom, we gonna worship the Lord. And now, because of the work of Miss J, we teach on the same team. What if our students is getting baptized on Resurrection Sunday? Students ask us all the time. Oh, I'm going to come to church. They would have been here today, but they have to go to Super Sunday. The Lord's still working on them. It's okay. They're a little young. But they're always asking, like, "How? how I want to come. I want to come. One of my students was mad that I didn't come pick them up for Nola Gives Day yesterday. But that's because I didn't allow my faith to waver. I didn't change who I was to fit the needs of them. I provided them not only with water, but I provided them with living water. Jesus don't need you to be Jesus. He doesn't need you to, to, to do miracles. He don't need you to, to, to prophesy over people. He just needs you to walk alongside them. He'll, he'll come to a point and say, I got it. You plant the seed, I'll water it. Jesus will get the increase. I got it. But that starts in the habits that we build in everyday life. What are you doing in the presence of God? Lord, everybody, every eye closed, every head bowed. Jesus, you have been so faithful to us, Lord. In moments of, of losing purpose, Lord, you provided internal life, Jesus. And today our hearts go out, Lord, to the one person that has been in this room who's contemplating life themselves, Jesus. Who feel like they're on the verge of losing it all, Jesus and they don't know where to go. They're here in your presence, Jesus. They acknowledge who you are, Jesus, but on the inside they still feel empty, Lord. Lord, we pray that that person just have a second with your goodness, Lord. That you teach them in this moment the habit of calling on the name of Jesus. So that when they leave this place that they can feel the presence of you in every situation that they have, Lord. There's been a family that has been on the verge of division, Lord. Lord, we ask that you invade that family, Jesus. And from the oldest to the young, Lord, that you just have a moment with them, Jesus. That you allow the spirit of the Holy Ghost to just fall upon their household, Jesus. That you be with them in and out, Lord. To the young lady who is looking for love. Who feel like they only are complete when they're with someone else, Jesus. Teach them that you love them first. You loved them when they was in their mother's womb. You loved them at the beginning. You will love them at the end, and you have a purpose for them, Jesus. You value them so much that you continue to block the, the, the demonic forces that are trying to come into their life, Jesus. Let them know that you don't want them to be with this person because it's going to kill their spirit. And you have called them Jesus. And so you've thrown them into an easy bake oven, a slow cooker, and you're taking the time. Because they deserve to know what real love is, Jesus, not just temporary love, Jesus. They didn't deserve to know what it feels like to be valued, to be loved, to be cared, to be nurtured, Jesus. Continue to throw the ducks out of their life. Continue to protect them, Jesus. to the man who has been confined to that work ethic that feels like they have to be the macho man, that they have to be secure and protect everything, Jesus. Show them that it's okay to be vulnerable, that it's okay to cry, that it's okay to hurt, that it's okay to call on a brother in a time of need, that they don't have to deal with life by themselves. It's okay to be weak, Jesus for you have placed them in a community, Jesus. We are our brother's keepers. Allow them to know the faithfulness, the provision, the intentionality of you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.